0: CHAPTER Nineteen, ISLANDS When she reached the top of the cliff, Hermione collapsed onto a large rock, threw her rucksack down by her side, and stared out at the Blue Sea. She had been traveling all day long. Operating over such long distances was a tricky operation. It required several stops along the way as she passed through various official wizarding zones. She knew that she was close to the Isle of Cortona, where the thinker lived. Placing her hand up to her forehead to shield her eyes from the bright afternoon sun, Hermione searched and could just barely make out a tiny island off in the distance. Her heart lurched, and she knew without a doubt that it was her final destination. But how would she get there? She didn't dare try to apparate. If there were wards guarding the island, and half of her might end up floating in the ocean while the other half struggled on a rock. She supposed she should stroll down to the village and try to find a muggle with a boat to sail her out there. Unfortunately, she was no longer in England, and striking a deal with a Greek-speaking fisherman did not seem like the most efficient option. At the moment, she was simply tired, and doubt was beginning to creep up inside her along with the terrible pang of homesickness when she thought of Ron. She wondered how she would feel about herself if, after coming this far, she decided just to turn around and go home. Home. Hermione remembered that she really didn't have a home. Her parents were in St. Mungo's, frozen in terror, and would stay that way unless she found a way to help them. With determination, she stood, threw her bag over her shoulder and headed down the path towards the village halfway down she noticed a small spout sticking out of the vegetation in the hillside she did not remember seeing it on her way up and she now realized that she was extremely thirsty a small ladle and tin cup sat on a rock near the spring hermione had seen similar setups when she had traveled to france with her parents in the summer after her second year at Hogwarts. She assumed that all of the villagers used this spring to collect water during their walks. Holding out her hands to steady herself, she placed one foot on a rock in front of her and reached out to pick up the ladle, gleaming in the sunlight. As soon as she touched it, she knew. A familiar jerking motion tugged at her stomach, and she felt her feet leave the ground. A portkey. The ladle was a portkey and Hermione was very afraid. Her mind flashed to the Triwizard Tournament when a portkey had unexpectedly sent Harry and Cedric Diggory directly into Voldemort's hands. She tried to drop the ladle but it was too late. She was already spinning. A moment later, however, she landed on solid ground. Dropping the ladle, Hermione brushed herself off and looked around. She seemed to be, well, In some sort of paradise it was very very quiet except for a few bird songs the hum of some insects and the sea she could see the water to her right and far off to her left and with a sigh of relief she assumed that somehow she had landed on the Isle of Cortona a large villa stood in front of her it did not appear to have walls but rooms were clearly marked and the floors were tiled in vibrant mosaic patterns of blue and gold. She could see to the back of the building, and there appeared to be a lot more vegetation away from the beach. She wondered if she should enter the building. Looking around, she saw no one. So, her hand tightly gripping the wand in her pocket, she proceeded onward. The air inside the villa was much cooler than outside. Once she crossed over the threshold, she realized that there were walls separating the rooms but they seemed to be made of something magical for they shimmered and glowed as she walked by they were covered with murals that reminded hermione of television more than anything else because the people and animals in the pictures appeared to be moving and acting out scenes rather than just standing and waving like in regular wizard pictures hermione tried not to let these things distract her as she wandered through the building she felt that it was important to keep her mind as focused as possible a few moments later she stumbled out onto the back terrace and gasped when she saw the view the villa was actually located at the foot of a large hill flat lush vegetated land spread out in front of her for about a mile and then rising up out of it was a magnificent mountain that Hermione was sure she had not noticed from the mainland. She was starting to doubt whether the portkey had transported her to Cortona or to some other exotic location. "'Welcome,' said a voice that was clear and noble, with the slightest trace of an accent. Hermione jumped, and, focusing her eyes, which had gone a bit blurry in the hot sun, realized that there was a tall, dark-haired woman standing not ten feet away from her amongst what looked like grapevines opening her mouth to speak Hermione found that nothing wanted to come out of it she closed it again and then taking a deep breath said firmly hello are you I am Delia and yes I am she smiled at Hermione and for a moment looked very young Hermione couldn't quite place her age "'but she had read somewhere that the current thinker "'had been in the position for close to fifty years. "'I'm sorry,' Hermione blundered on, "'taken aback by this relatively warm welcome, "'to have arrived unexpectedly. "'But I was expecting you,' interrupted Delia, "'walking towards Hermione. "'I set up the portkey three days ago.' "'Hermione furrowed her brow. "'Perhaps Delia was expecting someone else. "'Do you know who I am?' "'Hermione asked. "'You are Hermione Granger. "'I received your letter at the beginning of the summer. "'I do not receive much correspondence here, "'especially since the death of Albus Dumbledore. "'It has been very quiet.' "'But you never replied!' exclaimed Hermione, "'unable to hide the exasperation in her voice. "'You are here, though, are you not?' Delia asked. "'There was a hint of a smile around her lips.' "'Yes,' Hermione said, and summoned her courage. "'Better to find out the answer now than be disappointed later.' "'You'll... let me stay and train with you?' Delia smiled fully, but did not answer. "'Let's go inside. I think you are tired?' Realizing that she was, indeed, exhausted, and that she had never managed to take a sip of water, Hermione agreed and allowed Delia to lead her back into the villa Delia and Hermione walked through several rooms into a bedroom suite with a washstand a bed and a wardrobe everything was light and sparse yet somehow very comforting opening the wardrobe Delia pulled out something pale and filmy resembling the robes that she herself was wearing she handed them to Hermione and said where are these They suit the climate much better than that heavy robe of yours. I will wait, she motioned to a doorway beyond Hermione, and you will come to see me when you are ready. Hermione knew that her mouth was hanging open, but she was too dazed to care. Delia laid the robes on the bed and left, while Hermione stripped down and scrubbed her face at the wash-basin. Then she sat on the bed for a very long time, examining the robes and marveling at how soft they were. Her last set of pretty things had been given to her by her mother. Courtney Granger had insisted on buying her daughter several lovely muggle dresses to wear in the summers, and Hermione had always enjoyed putting them on and feeling them swish around her legs in the heat. Those dresses had been abandoned in her parents' house, and she'd spent most of the summer in her old jeans and shirts. Finally, she stood and pulled the robes over her head. They felt as though they'd been made especially for her. Moving to stand in front of a mirror on the shimmering wall, Hermione studied her reflection. Well, she still looked like herself, but she felt better, and, with a deep, comforting sigh, she turned and walked towards the room where Delia was waiting for her. Delia insisted on having a small meal while she and Hermione talked. Ripe tomatoes and some sort of soft cheese were sitting on a platter. A bowl nearby contained olives of different colors, and another, larger bowl was filled with grapes. Hermione glanced at the food doubtfully. She was very hungry, and had a feeling that a few tomatoes were not going to satisfy her hunger. Still, she sat down across from Delia and waited for the thinker to speak. They ate in silence for what seemed like a very long time. Tell me about yourself delia finally said with an encouraging smile well began hermione her mind racing what do you want to know oh tell me anything said delia just talk her eyes twinkled try not to think okay hermione replied she absent-mindedly twirled an olive in the tomato juice on her plate i was born to muggle parents she stopped should she tell delia about her parents even though they were the main reason that she was here somehow she didn't feel ready to reveal everything taking a deep breath she continued but i had a feeling that there was something unusual about me from an early age i was excited and happy when i got my letter from hogwarts but i can't really say that i was surprised that is i was surprised but she talked and talked and talked. The light from outside began to dim and Delia casually lit several candles on the table. Hermione cast her mind back to all of the lessons in all of the classes at Hogwarts. She regurgitated useful facts from every book she had ever read. When she finally paused for breath, Delia touched her arm slightly and said calmly, Have you had any experience in spell-building? Hermione stared at her. She had completely omitted the creation of Expecto Sacrificum. It was during that process that she had first learned about the existence and function of a thinker. She mentally kicked herself for forgetting to mention her most important achievement. There was one... And why were you driven to create it? To save Harry's life! To save all of our lives! and. How did the idea begin? Hermione bit her lip, and remembered back to that night, in seventh year. It had been the first time things had felt normal since they had returned to school. Normal enough, anyway. A fire had been going in the Gryffindor common room, even if there were hardly any Gryffindors left at school to appreciate it. So many students had been pulled out of Hogwarts that the quiet hardly seemed unusual anymore and as the night had darkened outside the window, Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat in armchairs, working through stacks of homework. It had been enough work to distract them from other, more difficult problems. It had been Ron who had given her the idea. She flushed slightly, even now, remembering the conversation. Ron had only been joking when he said it. "'Ron, would you throw me that book?' Hermione had been scribbling furiously in her notebook and hadn't looked up. The one with the blue cover. Ron had picked up the book and looked at Harry, grinning. Throw this? You sure? I think it weighs about ten pounds, but all right, here we are. Heads up! Hermione had snapped her head up from her books, terrified that he was really about to throw it. She'd thrown out her arms to block her face. But he only wagged the book at her, teasingly. Harry had laughed at the two of them. Here, he'd said. Pass it over. Hermione had grimaced when the book had finally made it into her hands. Wrong one. Throw me the other blue one. No, don't really throw it, Ron, she'd said hastily, as a terrorizing kind of expression had passed over Ron's face. Pass it nicely. Ron had picked up the second book, looked at the cover, and stopped. He looked over its edge at Hermione, but hadn't passed it to her. "'Hold on,' he'd said, his voice too delighted for anything having to do with schoolwork. "'Harry had looked at him keenly. "'What is it?' "'Hermione! What have you got this for?' "'Hermione had quickly become very wary.' "'What? Why? Isn't that Advanced Enchantments Volume 3?' "'Ron had grinned sadistically. "'Not quite. More like Advanced Love Spells and other emotional magic.' Harry had whooped, and Hermione had wanted to jump to her feet and grab the book back, but had controlled herself with all her strength. Advanced love spells had been on the suggested further reading list for NEWT preparation, and she had been actually quite curious to see how they'd all worked. Still, her cheeks had grown red as she'd remembered thumbing through the pages the night before. Not that she had ever needed to perform any love spells and she hoped she never would. In fact, as Ron had prepared to tease her, she'd felt sure that all she would want to do by the end of the evening would be to perform an anti-love charm. It's all dog-eared, Ron had added, letting the book fall open naturally to a well-worn spot. Aha, he'd said, skimming his finger down the page. Interesting. And here's another one. Look at this, Harry, with highlights. And I'll bet... Ron had nonchalantly flipped the book to the back index. Yes, as always, the already studied ones have stars. Hermione had patently ignored him, continuing to scribble at her homework. Ron, however, had not been through with his performance. He had continued reading through the index. "'Know quite a few of them, don't you?' he said slyly. "'Lots of stars here. "'Lot of them under the S heading. "'Well, well, well.' Finally, Hermione had been provoked to respond. "'I know a lot of charms for everything, Ron,' she had said hotly. "'Perhaps it's because I've been studying for my N.E.W.T.'s. "'I suggest that you try it.' "'Ron had flipped the book back toward its center pages and let out a low whistle. "'If you're suggesting I try this one here, well, then I say that's one N.E.W.T. "'I wouldn't mind studying for.' Harry had laughed out loud and pushed his chair backwards out of the line of fire Ron put that down honestly and a bit extra keen on the kissing ones look Harry she's underlined this one twice Ron I mean it now stop we haven't got time there are only a few things we've got time to concentrate on the NEWTs and Voldemort yeah I know Ron had said in his most aggravating voice I see that's what you've been concentrating on. I guess this is extra credit exam research. Or did you plan to put an end to Voldemort with this one? Absolutus adoratus. Yeah, that's it. We'll just love him to death. That'll work. As soon as he'd said it, something had clicked in Hermione's head. She had stared, amazed at Ron. Instead of arguing with him, she had suddenly jumped out of her chair... "'grabbed Ron's hands and pulled him up out of his seat. "'The spell-book had fallen to the floor, "'and Ron tried to back away. "'What, I'm sorry?' he said, obviously worried. "'No, Ron, you idiot! "'Harry, did you hear what he just said?' "'Hermione had grinned broadly, "'and she began to bob up and down on her toes "'the way she had used to in class when they were younger "'and she'd known all the answers to the questions.' Of course, she whispered to herself, of course. Of course, Harry had repeated blankly. Love him to death. Harry, that's it. Hermione caught her breath, barely, and continued to ramble. She had never felt so excited. Harry, your mum died to save you, and that's what protected you the first time around. And then, remember, the second time, Voldemort couldn't touch you. Harry had shaken his head. "'Yes, but it doesn't matter any more, does it? "'That magic's been out of effect since he used my blood to come back to power. "'He's got that in him now. He can touch me all right.' Harry's eyes had narrowed, and he looked at Hermione suspiciously. She had been able to tell that he didn't want their peaceful evening interrupted with this. "'Listen to me. I'm not finished.' Hermione had continued to grip Ron's hands tightly as she spoke, "'shaking them up and down for emphasis. "'He couldn't touch you because you had been loved too deeply, "'because you had sacrifice on you. "'Voldemort doesn't understand love, remember? "'Dumbledore told you that.' "'Harry had nodded, looking slightly sick. "'Maybe Voldemort isn't stopped any more by what your mum did, Harry, "'but what if... what if... "'She'd been bouncing too excitedly to continue.' By that time Ron had caught on. His mouth had dropped open and he'd stared from Hermione to Harry. This is it, he breathed, pulling his hands from Hermione and beginning to pace around the common room. This is really it. It's love, and it's loyalty, too. It's that sacrifice. It's like, yes, remember how that sword came to you in second year, Harry? Loyalty. That's powerful magic. Hermione had nodded vigorously. We could do it, Harry. Yeah, we'd get in the way of a curse for you. What if we could do it? Maybe it would put a stop to... No! Harry's face had gone sheet white. Hermione and Ron had stopped their brainstorm to stare at him. He had continued in a low, hissing whisper. If you think for one second that I'm going to let you get in the way of a curse for me, then you can think again. That's not going to happen. He had looked as though he'd been ready to storm out of the room. Hermione had opened her mouth to speak, but Ron had laid a hand on her arm and had stepped forward, facing Harry evenly. Harry, calm down. We're not saying we want to die. We're just saying it's the only kind of force that Voldemort might actually be hurt by. Hermione had nodded. I just meant she said gently stepping up next to Ron that if we could I don't know harness the force behind those feelings then we might have a spell that we could really work with Harry had shaken his head roughly I don't know what you mean I mean like the way other emotions are harnessed in magic like a boggart laughter kills a boggart Harry it's partially the spell but it's the laughter too The laughter that goes with it. Hermione had shrugged. Professor McGonagall always says that there's a force behind magic, if we care to understand it. It's like that Patronus you're so good at. You couldn't do it if you didn't have those feelings, that concentration, if you didn't have a real protector. Harry had paused and looked ready to listen. Ron had looked at Hermione. A Patronus is... what? joy right yes it's a manifestation of untouchable joy it drives the mentors back because it can't be affected by depression or darkness right ron had the look that hermione had seen so often on his face when they'd played chess and do you think i mean is it possible to make a patronus out of something else could there be something like that only hermione what am i trying to say here Only instead of a projection of joy, it would be a projection of love and loyalty. Oh, Harry! Harry had looked at her intently. He had looked as though he hadn't wanted to be a part of anything that had to do with his best friends getting in front of killing curses. But he had also looked as though he was considering her suggestion. Can we build a spell like that? he had asked, trying to keep his voice steady. I think so. I think so. But she had looked from Ron to Harry and smiled. She hadn't smiled quite like that in a long time. "'I'll be right back,' she whispered brightly, and then turned on her heel and fled to the portrait hole. By the time Hermione had finished her story, it was completely dark outside. She was sitting up very straight, and her hands were now clenched in her lap. Delia did not speak, and there was a strange, faraway look in her eyes. Nervous and slightly frightened, Hermione said quietly, Will that experience be able to help me become a thinker? Delia snapped out of her trance and looked down at Hermione softly. Yes, of course, but you must realize that you have much to learn. Oh, I do! exclaimed Hermione breathlessly. I'm so eager to learn. Really, I am. And you shall. But thinking involves more than just having the idea for a spell. It involves creating it and implementing it, and having it actually exist, available to someone or a group of people. Can you tell me a bit about how you constructed the spell? Because you are right. Your friend Ron did have the initial thought, although it was very promising that you picked up on it and developed it. It sounds as though you and he work well together. Hermione blushed at the reference to Ron, and then began to explain her research in the library, the spells she used as a basis for the sacrifice spell, and the arithmetic involved. There were four corners to the spell, friendship, family, mentorship, and love. I researched it all, mostly with Ron's help. We both formed the friendship corner we decided it was necessary to form a stronger base for the entire spell. Especially because of the way we... Uh, well, anyway... Delia's face was unreadable. I am quite impressed, she said, but it will take several months of training before you can reach a point where you can mentally force yourself to find ways of implementing new magic on a regular basis. We will begin your training tomorrow. Delia directed Hermione back to the bedroom where she had changed clothes. She said good night and turned to walk down the hall, but Hermione suddenly remembered that she had promised to write to Ron as soon as she arrived. Biting her lip, she cleared her throat and said, "'Excuse me, Miss Delia?' She felt awkward trying to ask the next question, but before she could say anything, Delia said, without turning back, i'll send my owl maricia to you in a few moments you may use her to deliver you any letters that are necessary hermione tried to remember if she'd read anything about the thinkers having the ability to read minds and then sat down at the desk by the window pulling her bag of quills and parchment with her hesitating for a moment to collect her thoughts she closed her eyes and allowed the warm island breeze to caress her face for a moment it felt as though Ron were there with her and with a little sigh Hermione decided she would be nothing but honest she would tell him exactly what she was thinking